Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 49 of our podcast. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to overcome fear and take action. And I couldn't think of a better guest than my lovely fiance. I love that that's how you always introduce me. It makes me happy. Makes you happy? Yes. What would be a better introduction? Oh, I can't even think of one. You say, like, the fiercest woman I know. (laughs) The most powerful woman. Well, you're not my mother, so. Oh, Leanne. Are you in competition? (laughs) I hope she hears it. So I want to talk about fear because it's been coming up for both of us in, in, in our own settings and our own ways, but I've been diving into a lot of different podcasts, books, anything that really has to do with overcoming different obstacles. I've, I've just finished the obstacles of the way. Mm. And I find that with every conversation I'm having with a client or with just people engaging in any setting, it's that the fear of the unknown is is what keeps us from really moving forward, which makes sense. But it's it's more about palpably how do we get beyond it? Because mm-hmm. it's easy to get get stuck and just give into it. So mm-hmm. that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I have so many examples from my own life, and I know you do too. And we get asked this all the time. Well, at least I do. I don't know if you do. But I get asked all the time, like, how do you handle uncertainty? And, like, I just feel so stuck in this this phase, and I don't know how to push forward. And, like, just different things like that. So it'll be, I think it'll be really applicable to most people listening, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's interesting because I don't get that many people who ask me that. No. And I think mm-hmm. that that is because I am, for one, a man. Mm-hmm. Probably true. Probably true. And so, well, because it comes from women, most well, of the questions. Yeah. Well, and also, guys, we're we're just kind of going to have a really raw conversation with you all. So, which is no, always their favorite, anyway. Yeah, there's no script. Uh, there's no outline. It's just more of us actually speaking. So, yeah, I think that. Part of it's that I'm a man, so I think that most people don't. Most people don't ask men how they're doing. That's. I ask you how you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> but like whenever I was talking, we were talking about this today. It's like whenever I'm in a situation where like either it was in the mastermind or talking to different people who m- might have more success than I do, I always find myself giving. And no one really asks. Like, one of the biggest frustrations that we have in our life right now is no one asks us how we are. It's like... <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing lately. We'll, we'll hang out with people and then... We're we'll, going to get so many messages like, how are you? How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Okay. You are good, guys. But we'll go out and hang out with people and people will be like, oh, like, they talk about themselves all the time, which is really great. And maybe that's our fault for being coaches, right? Because, like, we... We, we ask are, lots of questions. Yeah, we ask a lot of questions, but... It's fascinating that it's like, oh, did they ask how you were? And we'll be like, no. Okay. It's usually like a, a message that we have back and forth. I'll be like, how'd your meeting go? It's like, I'm so surprised that people don't ask how I am. <laughs> but anyway, we dive right. Well, yeah. So the, I think that that's a part of it, that being being a man, being a coach. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see how the dynamic of who we coach 
plays a role because you work with mostly women that are around your age or similar mm-hmm. and I work with mostly 40 to 50 year olds so mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's a different service but anyways we digress we digress so we want to really dive in with I think the first thing to define is like what role fear plays or the well, different first, types of fear yeah and what is it like yeah. what is it actually do you want to start? Well, I can start, yeah. So I think that the first thing is to understand where fear is coming from. So we have this billion-year-old brain. We have this brain that is used to keeping us safe. It's used to giving us warning signs, like the branch in the forest snaps. That's what causes our brain to hear and act a certain way. Mm-hmm. So like we have all these mechanisms that have kept us safe for so long, and our brain hasn't really caught up to where we are in society today because it's all the technology that we have today with it smartphones even televisions or cars or anything like that they're very relatively new Mm -hmm. and the industrial age has only been 400 years 500 years so we're in this position where our brains haven't adapted and so there's this point where all the mannerisms and all the mechanisms that we have built into us are tribal their survival mm. skills. You think about fear, you have two real aspects of it. You have the real fear, which is I need to be aware of saber-toothed tiger that is out to get me. Mm-hmm. Or you have to be afraid of hunters or other tribes that might come and attack you. And at the same time, you have this perceived fear of more of a subconscious level of how you act. And so most people have these fears of failure, fears fears of rejection, fears of stepping out from the crowd. And all these things are belief patterns that we have innate to us as humans because of how we've been essentially conditioned and evolutionized to act. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you have to really understand where fear is coming from. I was listening to, I'm I'm taking over, but I, I was listening to a really interesting conversation with Dan Locke. It's like, why do most, Dan Locke is a sales coach. He's like, why do most people fear speaking in public? Well, because most people from the time they're kids, their parents say, hey, quiet. Oh, interesting. He's like, be quiet. Like, because parents want their kids to be quiet because they're trying to get peace. And he's like, so in your head, you're subconsciously already told to not speak up and not have this voice. And then when you get into public, when you go to school and you go to speak, it's even worse because people are awful. So you have these two belief patterns inside you that if you speak in front of people or if you're loud and if you get attention, that's bad. That's interesting because I was at a powerhouse women this weekend and I realized that I had a, a fear, not a fear, I mean a physical reaction to speaking in public. Like if I stood up, my whole body, including my tongue, went numb. And my heart, like, raced like I was about to get murdered or something. Yeah. Like, literally the weirdest physical reaction to something that, like, consciously was not scary. Like, I wasn't going to die. But to have, like, 300 eyes looking at me and me having to say something of value, like, my the physical fear, like, took over and my whole body went numb. It was mm. crazy. Well, it's interesting because I remember when we first started dating... Lindsay had a scholarship event. And actually, no, that's our first interaction. Our first interaction where Lindsay and I were actually talking as people was when you messaged me about a public speech. Oh, that's true. Throwback. Yeah. Yeah, I asked for advice on how to give my salutatorian speech in high school. Yeah, because I was class president and I had given and you a speech. Did a speech. Yes. 
Must have been a good speech if you remembered it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um, so where do you think that the fear comes from? Now I'm like, where does that? I, that definitely comes from, so I could even, and this is like a real life example that you guys could use for yourselves because I can pinpoint that back now that I think about it too. When I was in a band and I was 11 and I, I sang a song by Kelly Clarkson, <laughs> we all know it, and I listened to the video back and I sounded awful, so awful. And I never, like, I had some stage fright, a little bit, but really not much. Like, I'd go up there and figure it out. And after I heard how awful I sounded, I had this, like, embedded belief that I was going to embarrass myself mm. because nobody told me I sounded bad, obviously, because I was, like, 11. But I was like, oh, my God, people let me sing that song on stage, and that sounded so bad. And I also felt like my outfit looked bad, so there was, like, a twofer. Mm. So, like, the things that came out of my mouth were awful, and then what I was wearing was awful. So then I had, like, this embedded belief that any time I opened my mouth on a stage, I was going to embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. So I could even pinpoint it back to that and be like, that's why every time I took, go to get on stage, I go to talk in front of people. Like that's a, cause I can talk in front of people all day on a podcast, on a video, on like, I can lead groups of people like my clients and stuff. But when it comes to speaking in person, it's still a fear. Which is fascinating because I used to always have people who told me I was an awful singer. Mm-hmm. And it never stopped me. And you know why? Because you were like, I'm a great singer. No, because I had great parents. Uh-huh. And I think that that's like the balance. Like I always had my mom and my dad, more my mom and my dad, but both of them, who no matter what I did, they wouldn't BS me, but they would always support me. Mm-hmm. And that was my foundation. So it was almost like, F you. Like, I, it obviously bothered me, but th- that was something that, like, I grounded myself in because I knew I was better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you're, you're not doing it. But the, it's interesting when you look at fear because I never had a fear of getting up in front of people. And that comes from the reward of, like, when I was five years old. I got up in front of people at, like, a Christmas show and I went wild. And <laughs> I can remember just getting up on stage and just doing this, like, there's a group of like probably like 10 kids 15 kids and I just started going berserk and the crowd started laughing so I was like oh okay well that's what I'm going to continue to do and mm-hmm. I just kind of kept feeding into it feeding into it and I got the reward I got the dopamine so no matter what and if I even maybe maybe it goes back to that right like maybe that's where the 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 lack of fear comes from because right. Yeah, I got pulled off a stage after, and the principal was like, don't ever do that again. Like, you can't do that, and kind of, like, scolded me. But I had already been proven right. So I didn't have any fear. But it's interesting, though, like, if you look at the things I am afraid of. I was going to say, what are you afraid of? Yeah, I'm really afraid of rejection. Like, I, it takes me a lot, a lot to overcome um, people not liking me. People rejecting me, like networking can be a challenge for me. It's more like a social setting. So, well, social rejection, yeah. Yeah. And so that comes from like when I was a kid, I was bullied, and I would always like, I like there was one kid who one day was the cool, he was always the cool kid, but he would be really nice to me some days and be like, oh my god, like I tell my mom, I remember, like oh he's so nice to me, like we're friends now, and then the next day he'd beat the hell out of me, and it was like a constant psychological like, well, who do I have to be? in order for mm-hmm. someone to respect me. And so now I was blessed because my parents like took care of me really well. Um, they never they never 
like I, I had amazing parents as a kid, mm-hmm. which most people don't feel like have, which is why that makes it even worse because you go to school, you get bullied, and then like you have to deal with it at home. So I was blessed in that setting, but I still have always had this desire to want to be loved by people. And that's why, like, I remember in high school, I was really obnoxious as an athlete. I was really loud. Now, part of that was psychological warfare. Like, I want, like, I was a pitcher, and I watched my brother just dominate, and he dominated because he psyched everyone else before, out beforehand. And then there was this other pitcher, his name was Jordan Cody. He got drafted by the Yankees when we were in high school. He was thrown, like, 93 miles an hour. And I watched his routine, and I knew that I could never throw that fast I threw like 85 83 miles an hour so I didn't have like a dominant like pitching um, ability but I knew that I could make up for it by psyching people out and and, and with pitching most of it is you, it's like chess you know you can really do a lot of damage so I would always embody a very loud and dominant force because I wanted everyone else who's coming up to the plate to know that and to see that and already be like oh well they, want, they either were thinking about how annoying I was, they were thinking about how they hated me, or I was intimidating them, and all three of those things led to something positive. But it was also out of insecurity. Like, it was also out of insecurity. Like, And I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with this, by the way. But for me, like the fear was that I wasn't ever good enough. I never had the talent. Um, people would always reject me. And so I put on this persona of this extremely cocky and confident person because that was my protection, my armor, against the fear that people wouldn't love me. Were you aware of that you were doing that? 100%. Okay. I didn't see... I didn't know you had that level of like self-awareness that you knew you were putting on a persona. Um, I, I, I would... Yeah, I remember. I remember being... So there was a triangle of trust I was in. <laughs> when I was in high school, I would go from, in lunch periods, I would go up to my science teacher's uh, room and me, her, and another student would just eat and talk. Um, shout out to Miss Lombard, if you hear this podcast. Um, and I remember talking because there was this one kid, I remember this, oh, I remember I almost freaked out. I, I had to leave the room. But I was talking about how I would say outlandish things as a kid. I was kind of stupid. But I remember saying, like, you need to work hard because you don't want to end up a bum in the other street or, like, something like that. And this kid's like, well, you would, you'd come from privilege and you have no idea what that's like. And this is a younger kid. And I watched both my parents get sick. I remember, like, my dad yelling at me because we didn't have any food in the house and I couldn't eat anything. Like, I remember those intense moments that were so painful about not having money and like having to watch people suffer and not having the ability to do anything. And <clears throat> I remember it just like, I just like looked into this person's soul and I wanted to rip them apart, but I left the room, which is the right thing to do in that situation, by the way. Uh, and well, it came back later. We came back and we were having lunch. And I was like, I just remember like, I remember I had this moment where I was like, I just wish that people realize that everything that I do I remember saying this and like crying I didn't full out cry just a couple tears but Mm. I was like I I wish that people just would realize that I just do it because I actually don't have any confidence Mm. so yeah it was intense and I think that uh, 
that's why we're having this podcast today, you know? That I think well, it, so the thing I think is so important is these things are perceived fears. Like they're all perceived and, and fear plays a role in understanding what's best for you because it is legitimate that people can reject you. It is legitimate that you can get up in front of people and have it be terrifying and they hate you. Or you throw up and you can't talk. Well, but but there's so many different things. Like, I was listening to another podcast. Uh, this was, this one had Seth Godin. And it was talking about how f- speaking in public was also a bad thing because in the tribe, when you'd have to speak in front of people, you'd usually be defending yourself. Hmm. So we have this also this innate fear to be afraid of speaking in front of people because usually in our lineage, if you were in front of a group of people speaking, you'd usually be pleading your case. Hmm. So all these things like make sense that we would have fears about what they would mean. But the most important thing is understanding like, is it, is it worth leaning into? Yeah. It's like, I always like to see fear as like the, the very obvious way that I should go if I'm afraid of speaking, I obviously want to get better at that to overcome that fear. But then also like the fear of the uncertainty or a fear of just like doing something new. Mm-hmm. It's like if I'm afraid of it, I've learned to see it as more of like that, that resistance I feel is like just telling me that that's the way that I should go. Because once you get used to it, at least I think once you get used to it, it becomes a lot more obvious. Like instead of being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, being like, well, what am I afraid to do? Okay, well, I'm going to do that because that's going to guide me into something else. It's going to guide me into something else. And I'll never know what that something else is until I overcome the first fear. Hmm. So if that's like, I have a fear of going back to school because I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to ask for a promotion because what if they say no and they fire me? What if anything that you could think of? Well, it's like most people, when they talk about getting in shape, I put this out there, I think I think for a lot of people, they're not afraid of the failure, they're afraid of the work, mm-hmm. because they know how much work it's actually going to take. Yes, and, and that they, was me too. Well, they see, they see like, wow, like this is a mountain, I have to climb it, I might as well it's stay. It's going to take but, years. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the, the way that you get through whatever fear that you're facing is you have to link enough pain to where you're at. And you have to be honest about the pain that you're experiencing because most people will mask it over. Like, it's so easy to look at your body and be like, yeah, it's okay. I'm okay how I am. It's okay that I feel this way about myself. Or it's okay that I have this problem that I can't overcome. This stress. It's okay because I'm, this is just how I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just a, like, for me, like, you can attest to this more than anyone else, and I'll kick it back to you to maybe prove my point, but I am not a peaceful person. That is true. I am not calm. I am not relaxed. Like, I innately through... I think it uh, that comes from bullying. Yeah. Like, sure. just the anger. The anger and the frustration. Like, that comes from just being pissed off. And also you pick up traits from people around you (laughs) as you grow up. So I think that that's like inherently part of my being. And I could choose to stay that way, but I'm going to ask you for your honest opinion. 
Over the last four years, have I become more peaceful or less? Much more peaceful. <laughs> and, and that's because it's not, it's not my identity. Right. It doesn't have to be. Now, there's times where it's practical, but it's who, it's, you have the ability to change yourself through working on things that you don't like about yourself. And it doesn't mean that you have to have the solution right away. I was having a conversation with a client who their biggest problem in one sense is is the stress like it's very stressful for her in her environment and it's like yeah you don't have to attack that right now while you're attacking your weight loss but if you don't attack it and if you don't see that as part of the solution then you're going to lose the weight you're going to get stressed and you'll probably find food again and so it's about seeing your fitness or seeing your journey of whatever you're working on you have to get into the roots Mm-hmm. Which is why you're saying you have to attach more fear so that you push past it. We have to, to so well, so you have to attach more pain to it. You have to attach pain to where you're at. One of the ways to rewire your brain and get it to see that you can actually get to where you want to be and reframe yourself is to link pleasure to the outcome. That's what I was gonna say. And pain to where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And so, like when I think of like moving to Los Angeles. There was so much, like someone was like, oh, well, Los Angeles, I remember having this conversation where someone was like, oh, Los Angeles is so expensive. That's, oh, someone? More like every single person <laughs> we ever talked to about moving to LA. And I remember one of my remarks back was like, yeah, it's also really expensive to be miserable and to not live <laughs> your dreams. Because for me, there was so much pain to being back home around some of the people that I was around that there was no other option but to move forward. Yeah, and I, I remember doing this, uh, This I hope this will be really relevant for someone. I remember having such a bad relationship with money to the point where thinking about budgeting, thinking about spending money, like all I could think about was like, I'm going to run out of money, like we're not going to be able to move forward, and I, like I just had such a poor relationship with it, like where I thought it was always going to disappear. And I remember walking down to this park in L.A., and I listened to this whole Tony Robbins talk. It was like 45 minutes on how to fix my relationship with money and attach more pain to it. and Or attach more pain to saying where I am and then uh, really use that as a catalyst to get past it. And that was crucial, along with lots of other internal work to do. But I had to attach so much pain to like being afraid of money that I learned how to love money and love what it could do for other people and for me and that there was an abundance of it in the world and like all of those things that you might hear in podcasts but I really had to do that to get past that fear Mm. so what are some of the other biggest fears that you've overcome through your journey whether that's in fitness or just as an entrepreneur or just in general I think one of the biggest fears I had which is just really fresh was stepping into just ideas that I had that didn't seem like they made any sense like if you guys have seen my content you know I'm hosting a retreat in November and it was a big it was a big promise to myself in 2019 that everything I was afraid of that popped up in my mind I was gonna do and now that you say like you have to attach pleasure and pain like when you first said pain I was like but you can just attach a lot of pleasure to it and like joy and that can push you through. Well, it's but both. it's both. Yeah. It really is. Because I don't usually think about the pain of staying where I am because I'm more excited, 
about the outcome. Mm. So when I thought of having a retreat, like, of course, there was pain. Like, if I don't do it, I'm going to stay exactly where I am, and I'm going to wish I did. So that even though I didn't really think about that consciously, it was there. But then I was just so excited about the outcome and, like, being able to serve women in a different way and connect them and, like, see something come to fruition. That was just an idea that I was more excited to, de- to like, declare that I was going to do that. Mm. And so I think when you when you have a fear and it's really intense, you have to understand that if you don't deal with it, it's going to pop back up every single time <laughs> that you feel weak. And that's not fun. <laughs> and know that that's true like I don't care who you are that's true Mm. and it's painful and it sucks but it's true well I was listening to a Jordan Peterson uh, conversation today so Dr. Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist and he was talking about fear and he was talking about the knights of the round table and how they all had to approach seeking their treasures through the darkest parts of the woods that they possibly could and the reason why that is is because in the darker par- darkest parts of the woods, in the darkest parts of nature, in, in the actual like fairy tale, those are the areas where each one of us perceives that we are the weakest. Mm-hmm. And so each one of us has to go against that. And as we go through that journey, we continuously step into a position where we're able to overcome the mos- monsters that are in our way. And he articulated is there's a reason why... It, there's a reason why every thing that is gold there's a reason why every pot of gold is protected by a dragon because everything that you want it's going to cost you either sacrifice or you're going to have to overcome something massive in order to actually get to the riches of your life and if you think about everything that you want the cliche thing is everything that you want is is on the other side of fear and you really have to take that leap. And so, like, one thing about pain is, like, when I say, like, you have to link pain to it, most people accept themselves as they are because they think this is as good as they can get. Like, if you feel stuck or if you feel like, oh, this is just how it is. Like, I'm 40 years old. This is just normal. Or everyone else around them is in, is in either the same yeah. position or the worst, or their worst position. And... You have to get to the point where you see that this is not my life. Like, I remember I remember going to a party, and I got jumped. Which I think I've talked about in the podcast. But I got jumped at a party, and I was at the point where I was starting to change my life. I was getting into bodybuilding. I was thinking about playing college football. I was thinking about being an entrepreneur. I was like, my life was changing. And I was still going home to hang out with losers. And... I remember just like, eh, you know, I really shouldn't be doing this. Like, eh. I had a couple moments where someone, like, tried to get in a fight with my brother. And, like, it just wasn't a good scene. I was hanging out with some really bad people. And um, I remember getting jumped. Like, I remember getting jumped for no reason by five people. And I was like, why the hell am I hanging out with these people? And I remember in that moment I just made a distinct decision. I was like, no. I was like, I will not be like these people I will not be in the same path and I linked so much pain to that experience that then I could look for the pleasure mm-hmm. I was like and that's what the way it works like so for you I'm curious when did you start like what what fears did you have to overcome to step on stage 
compete in bodybuilding. Like, when you think of, like, Lindsay at my contest, seeing all those women, like, what came up? Bringing me way back. I haven't thought about that in a very long time. Um, For me, I think the big fear was... Oh, it's going to sound so silly. But the fear was stepping on stage and my body just not looking good. Like, and being... Like, being embarrassed again. Being embarrassed again. The fear of being embarrassed, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Of embarrassing myself. And the way to get past that was, well, I'm not going to step on stage until I'm proud of myself. That's it. When did you get... When was the last... When was the first time you were proud of yourself? Um, When I could wear a bikini and not think about it. Where was that? In Australia. Was it the picture? Yeah. That's my favorite picture of you. Brian took my picture that I sent him in my bikini and he put it on Facebook which sounds so funny but to like anybody who's not familiar with social media but I mean they listen to a podcast touche <laughs> touche no old people are listening but yeah Brian took my picture Facebook is an app that you post things if you're on watching this in, if you're watching this in the year 3000 yeah, in the archives yeah or if you're just like randomly stumbling upon this because you discovered podcasts but like you don't week. know what Facebook is <laughs> You never know. So he took my picture and put a very nice message about how the woman I've become on Facebook while we were first dating. You're so beautiful. Yeah. That's my favorite picture of you. Because you look so confident. Yes. You look and you look beautiful and like your body just looks amazing. But but you just you looked like yourself. Yeah. You looked you looked all right, I'm gonna go really cliche and overly like Lovey dovey. Lovey dovey. But you looked how I saw you. Oh, that's like, so nice. Like how I saw you is what you look. That's so nice. No. So that was the first time that I, or that was when I really overcame my fear, my, my first big, big fear, mm. which was exposing myself. Well, I'm sorry I took that from you, though. What? Sorry I didn't let you post it on your own. Oh, that's okay. I think you did. I Probably not. I think you did. I don't know. You posted it first. No, I didn't. Okay. I don't think so. I don't know. We'll go back to the We'll find it. We'll figure it out. I think you posted it, and I said, oh my God, and I posted it again. Oh, maybe. But... I think it was around uh, Valentine's Day, too. Because you were gone. So I didn't like... I was like, you know, I need to like shout her out, because she's my girlfriend. (laughs) So anyway, so you need to close with what your biggest fear was that you overcame that comes to mind. Oh. Give people some some hope, some juiciness. I would say that it was leaving my house. The first time? Because I knew I was never going back. Ooh, that's a good one. That was really painful. And it was scary. Because I was... I I remember... I had $2,000 in my bank account. And I had to spend that all on a deposit for a place. And then I had no money. And then I was building an online business where I was coaching people, which people didn't do four years ago, three years ago, three and a half years ago, I think three four. years ago. One of the two. And um, that was really scary because the <laughs> uh, it was just figure it out. And it was exciting. I remember it was exciting, but I also had no idea what I was doing. And I remember 
screenshotting my bank account and sending it to my brother being like, I got $34 to make this work. And I remember not giving you any credit, and now I give you all the credit. Yeah, Lindsay made me walk around and look for bartending jobs. I didn't think he was going to make it, guys, but he made it. Hmm. I remember the first first time I did make it, and I told you and your mom. (laughs) I remember that. That, I made money! Yeah. No, I think that that was (laughs) really... Well, that was scary. Um, That was that part, and then there was the emotional attachment that I had to help my parents that I just had to kind of see the pleasure on the other side of being able to maybe support them down the line and yeah it's a, that was the biggest fear um I think moving to LA mm-hmm. that was a big fear that we had to overcome I wasn't really afraid of it I was I know more, I was more excited yeah was, that was more pleasurable but um pleasurable <laughs> <laughs> uh, what movie is that I have no idea. Something with Will Ferrell. No, it's Jim Carrey. I think it's uh, it's Bruce Almighty. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He's like on the other side of the door. Okay. And he's like, pleasure, pleasure. Oh, okay. He like that's when he walks into the room and like does like the oh, thing and his clothes okay. come off. Yeah. And he like turns on the lights, uh-huh. and the candles. Got you. I like I like Jim Carrey. What can I say? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, moving to L.A. was was then. It was really exciting, and then it really wasn't. <laughs> like, That's true. It was like it a was high really high. exciting. And it was then... like road trip, and getting there and seeing the palm trees, and then it was like, oh shit. Oh wow. We, we live it. here. Yeah. Well, I think it was that. It was doing a contest together. Um, I think there. I don't know. I don't. I don't ever really remember fear. I just remember like anger. Anger. Yeah, just being angry that I wasn't where I wanted to be or that like we were falling apart and then the fear of having to go back home mm. because we failed it's interesting that that was a fear for you that wasn't a fear for me yeah that comes down to not wanting people to be disappointed in me or mm. what yeah. people think um it's interesting and, and so then we turned it around and then, yeah and yeah then we of course well. naturally but one of the things so this would probably be one of the things. So I spent um, a pretty good amount to join a business mastermind. Let's see, they both did, but um, it was a really big investment, and I was really nervous about making it because we would know, like, so I didn't have a network in LA. I didn't have people around me. I was really challenged in trying to build that network, and I was like, I need, I need to get around more people who are doing what I want to do and continue to grow. And so I was friends with Brian Acosta. He was in a business mastermind with Mike Zeller. And I reached out to Mike. And I was like, yeah, I'll like, apply to your mastermind. And I remember doing the you know, phone call and everything was good. And then Mike's like, okay, well, it's you know, this five-figure investment. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, I don't know if I can make that. Cause we, da, 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 da. And he's like, all right, well. I was like, can I put a deposit on it? And then we can think about it. Because I knew that if I put a deposit on it, I would actually think about it. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have, like, any skin in the game, I knew I would. I could I could, yeah. I, I could, let myself out without actually thinking about it. So I remember sending Mike a long email the next day and saying, like, hey, this isn't for me. It's not the right time. You know, X, Y, Z. And then I sat with that decision of saying no to myself. And it didn't feel good because I knew that I wasn't actually being honest with myself. And so Tim Ferriss has this amazing TED Talk about fear setting, which I think everyone should listen to. 
And so what it is is you essentially lay out like the worst possible outcomes if you do an op like an actual like action and then how you can mitigate that and you just list off all these things like okay what could go wrong what could go wrong what could go wrong what would that mean about me what would that mean about me how could i mitigate that if it happens i did this long thing and i it came back after i did it that i wasn't afraid about losing the money i was afraid about showing up in a room where i had to be powerful and looking like an imposter i was afraid of losing my money and people knowing I lost my money, which means I would have less money to run the business, which means I would have failed, which means people would have known I failed, which means something about me. And I realized, because I was like, you know what? What could I do? I could always go make more money. Like I could go, I could drive Uber. I could you know, go be a pizza delivery man. Man, not a boy. <laughs> and there was always something I could do to make it work. So I was like, okay, that's not really a fear. I'll find a way. The fear is that, is that I would look like a failure. And so here's, like, what's, what's the solution to that? I was like, oh, I could always call my mom. Because <laughs> if I felt like a failure, my mom would make me feel like I wasn't a failure. <laughs> and that made me make the decision. I remember calling her and telling her, like, hey, here's, like, the decision I have to make. And she's like, that's a lot. But to her credit, she's like, well, do you think it's going to help you? Do you think that's what you need? And I was like, I think it is. And we talked. I remember sitting in LA. This is so cool. I used to, when I was when I would get like down or depressed or have like moments where I was like, oh, this is such a bad day. Because Lindsay and I have those days, guys. Like, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, we're people. Uh, <laughs> but I remember there was a moment where uh, I would rent scooters and drive around like to the coffee shops I wanted to go to because it was so peaceful. And you get to, like, see, like, the uh, palm trees in the city, and it was just so fantastic. And I was just standing at this one fork in the road, and I was just standing at the top of this hill talking to my mom, and we just talked for, like, 20 minutes about the decision. And we just hashed it out, and she's like, yeah, well, I think you should do it if you think it's going to help you. And so on the other side of that fear was a door that I think that we needed to open, and that's led us to where we're at today that's true that's a great I think that's a great note to end on yeah so to recap I think we should recap it though recap it because what is there to recap well I think okay so I guess just a point to drive home okay from my perspective if you can learn how to first get past like whatever big fear is first in your mind when we're like doing this podcast get through one then you can start to use fear as a very clear guide so that anytime that you're feeling clouded or confused or lost you can be like well what am I afraid of what am I avoiding what is what is the big red x that I am like turning away from and how can I turn towards it and walk through it and get past it you'll always feel like you have some sense of direction, some next steps, something to go towards. So I think it's really important to take your fears and stop avoiding them and start using them as a guide. And my last note is that fear never disappears. Yes. Fear is always the same. You will always have it. You just get stronger. So if you think about, this is an example as I was thinking about this. If you think about like a fireman, you think about a police officer or a soldier, like 
the same amount of fear is persistent in every dangerous situation they're in. Mm-hmm. They've just conditioned themselves to run in, into the house. Into their fire. Yeah, they've just conditioned themselves. It's the same because they've become stronger people. It's the same with an athlete. You think about like Tom Brady. Tom Brady has led so many Super Bowl winning drives and so many comebacks in his career that started when he was in college. That first win that he had as a comeback proved evidence that he could overcome any fear that was there. And now he's just conditioned himself neurologically to come back Mm. and realize that, hey, we only have... Like, he led the Patriots back against the Saints one game. They had 17 seconds on the clock. They end up driving the ball down the field and scoring a touchdown. Like there's never an opportunity for him to be completely out of the game because he's neurologically wired himself to say, there's nothing to fear here. We can move beyond it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Michael Jordan hitting a three at the end of the game, Kobe Bryant. You think about any intense athlete, they've conditioned themselves neurologically to step beyond fear because they've become stronger. And so when you condition yourself to step into fear, the same fears may come up. Like if you are afraid of public speaking like Lindsay or like even for me like I'm afraid of people not liking me like I still have that fear I've gotten over it in such a deep way like I remember people were posting memes about me online it didn't bother me because I was like you know I'm fine but still kind of bothered me but not to the point where it would stop me because I was like you know what I'm stronger than whatever this this hate is and so by conditioning yourself to push through fear you get stronger and the situation shrinks and over time that allows you to become the person you want to be. I agree. I love that. Love it. On that note, you want to end it? Yeah. So, thank you all for being here. Yeah, thanks for listening to us shoot it. That was a good one. Yeah, it was. And if you love this podcast, let us know. Tag us on your Instagram story. Shoot us a message. And if you would be so lovely, we would really appreciate a podcast review. So, if I'll be less modest, uh, hit the five star if you enjoyed this. Five star. Five star. And scroll to the bottom and just say, hey, Brian Lindsay, we love you, I love you, and we'll get you back and find you on social and tell you we love you too. Boom. Boom. Ready? Yep. Are you ready for some food? Yes. All right, guys. Love you all, and just remember, the journey starts Starts with with you. you. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in today to My Journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram story so we can share this message with as many people as possible. And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwitz.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys.